What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe. And we'd like to say a very, very big thank you to all of you for joining us again this week. And especially to our new patrons this week, to Ollie and Joe. Yes, we're on first name terms only with those folks. <laughs> thank you so much, Ollie and Joe, for signing up to Patreon. And if you would like to join and become super supporters of this podcast, please pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support for loads of goodies. You know what they all are. We tell you every week. Go mm-hmm. check it out. Amazing stuff. Mr. Stay, what, a, um, what an exciting week. I, I hear I hear Germanic uh, tones in the air this week. Yeah, well, just today, it's just arrived. I've got the, the German paperback edition of Geisterzauberse, Ghost Magic, which is the ghost of Ivy Barn in German, because the other ones were the Rabenzauber, which is Crow magic, uh, Nachtzauber, night magic, and Geisterzauber. I know you speak German, so. But part of the fun, not, I mean, not first of all, for, <laughs> I mean, I love the covers, and the covers all look great together. You can't beat a skull mo- motif. Uh, but what I love about this is just opening them at a random page and trying to figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you searching for like one word that gives you a clue that you're like, oh, oh, I think yes. I know what that bit is. Yes, I love it. Yes. You're the author of the book. This is brilliant. Have you got an example for me? Well, I've discovered that there's no uh, German translation for spotted dick. <laughs> because it's probably just as well, actually. There's a reference. Uh, for, for, for listeners outside the UK, spotted dick is a, what would you say? It's like a steamed pudding. Definitely not an ailment. Definitely not an ailment. It's a steamed pudding that is delicious with custard. And it's and it's perfect kind of winter food, winter comfort food. So, yeah, you've got here... Uh, go on, read, uh, read me the line. I want to hear it. Oh, there's a really long word at the beginning. Go on, go for uh, it, go for it. It's just, just, wash... Just, Wahrscheinlich sollt ich auch die Zeit mit Mums Rezept für Spotted Dick Rauschenwein. Sie wird nicht wollen, dass er Feind bekommt. How did I do? I think you did brilliant. And you know what? I honestly think you missed a trick because you should have done the audiobook as well because I think it was selling droves. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. So I love it. Great. My mum will be like, my mum, my mum's a German teacher and uh, she does listen to the podcast. Hello, mum. Uh, she'll give us, she'll give us a, a written, a written response, no doubt. As to, I apologise uh, to the great nation of Germany for I ruining your it. language. German, yeah, German is a hard language to, I think for us Brits particularly, it's a hard language for us to grasp in terms mm. of the pronunciation. I know that because my mum was always telling me every single word that I'd say, like I, I would be getting it slightly wrong. But um, it's it's brilliant. It's it's just it sounds it sounds very suspenseful. Whatever you just read there, and uh, even though I do speak a bit of German, I've, I've it's something about a mum's recipe for spotted for stick, spotted but, dick. But, yes, <laughs> thrilling Love stuff. It. Okay, so, but yeah. you no. Know, last week we were talking about milestones. Yes, we were talking about these kind of like the traffic code. Everyone listened to last week. You didn't listen to it. It was very very funny. Have a listen back. But this week, you know, again another example of such a brilliant milestone. Is it's one thing to get a book out there i mean that's huge like but how brilliant is it to get a book translated in a a foreign language that's that's just fantastic and and to have written that book and to be looking at it and not have a clue what's going on i mean i always wonder like april full fool's day jokes from from translators like the stuff that they could get away with that you would never know about (laughs) (laughs) do you know what i mean yeah it's 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 interesting because I'll be honest, they haven't been in touch. The translators just got on with it. So I, I don't know. Because you know. I assumed that there'd be like a pages and pages of questions of just asking for like, you know, clarification on certain Well, especially some of the stuff. weird stuff I put in there. But uh, <laughs> so, the, so there's I, one thing I did, I did notice was um, that without giving any spoilers, there's, there's a, there's a secret project in this and someone calls it Operation Whirly Gig and Whirly Gig 
you know, there's no translation set. So they've called it in here Operation Propeller. So, uh, uh, which I th- so they're, they're making choices. They're just not consulting me on it. But I do, <laughs> I do, I do know that um, I remember talking to Joanne Harris about this. And Joanne Harris, I think because she's a French speaker as well, uh, took great interest in 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 her tra- takes great interest in her translations and does have you know a long conversation. I, and I know that whenever we've translated stuff, so. Um, the Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zafon, who's a Spanish author, and he's Spanish, but he speaks very good English as well. And I know that we got—I think we got Anthea Bell uh, to translate that. And Anthea Bell will be familiar to many, many readers of uh, Asterix because oh. she translated Asterix with Derek Hockridge, uh, and the pair of them would take the kind of because Asterix, you know, will have jokes that in French that just don't translate into English. Yeah. So they would put English puns and jokes into them as well. Uh, for And, you know, th- there's tons of stuff. And that, I mean, they change character names as well. So there's mm. tons of stuff in the English translations of Asterix books that won't be in the original French. So, wow. you know, I've no idea if that's what's going on in here. So if any, anyone's read both, let me know. Be that would be interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. it would be fascinating yeah. to, uh, to do that. Well, that's Absolutely brilliant. Congratulations. And you said yeah, it's thanks. out today in, in stores around Germany. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Well, good luck. I hope it. And 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 this is the this is the third one that's been that's released the third in one. Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Oh, fantastic news. Absolutely brilliant. And this week as well, Mark, I mean, if people have been like, you know, you know, hibernating for the entire duration of winter and, and lucky you if you have because man i'd love to have done that just be come out crawling out from <laughs> under the, the duvet around march time um but if you if you obviously listen to the last few weeks we've been talking a lot about mark's movie but it's officially out worldwide streaming is that correct like this yeah week? it should be by the, the time this, this. By the time this podcast goes live it should be on video on demand uh, on you know Apple and Amazon and wherever you get your digital movies from to rent, so oh, finally yeah. available to rent. And it's interesting since it's been available to rent, I've been getting a lot more comments and feedback and, and stuff like that. So Brilliant. definitely getting a lot more eyes on it, which is great. Do, we yeah. were chatting about doing something before the show, weren't we? Should we give people a little teaser about what we're planning? Yeah, well, I'd like to do a live stream spoiler special, uh, so we Brilliant. can. And I'm, go- I'm gonna. Uh, so I. Stay tuned. Watch the, you know, uh, watch this channel. Stay tuned to this channel. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with some more details soon. But um, definitely, it's one of these things where I think we'll get patrons and academates uh, be able to send in questions beforehand and stuff, and then uh, then we'll yeah. So we're, we're just going to check people's diaries and things. And uh, do you, do you know it it's going to be a bit like the first season, Mark, where I come on and ask all the dumb and daft questions. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> I have lots of questions. I I'll bet you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Now, I've got to say, I'm really, really excited to dive into our interview this week because this is one of those interviews that stands alone, doesn't it? From all of We've the many, never had anything like it, have we? Many it's hundreds brilliant. of interviews over the years. This is, this, is, this is a complete standalone. And so, Mark, I'm just going to let you introduce our incredible guest this week. Well, this is Derek and Dave Philpott. Um, we've got Dave today. Uh, they've been writing strange letters to famous musicians for 10 years now and getting even stranger replies back. Their first book, Dear Mr. Kershaw, and that's Nick Kershaw to you and me, uh, became a cult smash hit. And the follow-up, Dear Mr. Popstar, was released by Unbound to similar acclaim. And they've now got a new book, Grammar Free in the UK. Now, you've got to say that in a certain way. So it sounds like anarchy in the UK, the Sex Pistols yeah. song. So Grammar Free in the UK, which is a punk edition in the same series. And this one is Raising Money for Crisis, which is a homeless shelter. And if you want to help out of that, we're going to have links in the show notes. So uh, me and Dave, we discuss how to wrangle pop stars, how to write in character and still stay authentic, and quoting lyrics and how they got away with it. <laughs> Brilliant. You're in for a treat, folks. Uh, Sit back and enjoy this amazing and very, very funny interview with Mark chatting with the lovely Dave Philpott. Dave Philpott, welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today, sir? It's an absolute pleasure to be here, Mr. Stake. Thank you so much for the invite. How are you? I'm very good indeed. Thanks for asking. And I, I mean, I knew about these books. I had little idea of the work that's gone into them, to be honest. And the more, more I sort of dig into it, the more amazing they are. But you got a new one, Grammar Free in the UK. 
Uh, tell us about Grammar Free in the UK. Grammar Free in the UK was something that I put together in lockdown. I, I'm a care home singer. So like every other musician, no matter what rung of the ladder they're on, we went from a full diary to nothing within the space of like two days. Okay. Yeah. So initially panic and I thought, well, what can I do with my time? Um, so what I decided to do was um, just write letters to punks because we've always got on with the punks. They're very intelligent and very, very funny people. The, the initial the initial idea was simply just to write letters to punks, get a few replies in, put them on Facebook free, grammar free in the UK, and um, just maybe draw attention to the first to the first couple of books. That's all it was supposed to be, Mark. End of. Um, then what are we? Uh, but we started to get quality. The quality was so good of the replies we were getting that um, Dick Dick Lucas from Subhumans said to me. You know these can't stay on Facebook, you know, because a lot of punks don't do Facebook. So you've got to, you've got to publish. So I thought, oh god, here we go again. Um, <laughs> but I I, I I I didn't want to go down the traditional publisher route, and I thought, oh, I'll probably self-pub it. And but then I spoke to an entrepreneur who was a massive fan of what we do, and he went, yeah, I'll pay for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so he bankrolled the whole thing. He did the everything. Um, and so we had an accidental book out. So all it was one of those positive things that come out of lockdown. <clears throat> but because I hadn't put a penny into it and because of the efforts that the punks have put in, I thought, you know what? Clive's bank rolled us to the tune of like five grand here. You know, wow. oh, yeah. So let's just give some money back. I don't feel guilt. I, I, I don't feel safe or don't feel right taking the money for this. So let's just build a charity element in there so that for every copy that we sell, we can bung a, we can bung a wedge to um, uh, crisis. We decided because homelessness is something which is, you know, the punks are very sort of, you know, you know, very, very engaged with. So that's it. It was just a glorious accident. Wonderful. Wonderful stuff. And crisis is charity very close to my heart as well. It's, uh, it's, it does amazing, amazing work. And punks, this is the thing. I was talking to a writing friend of mine recently because we were talking about the kind of things that we we write now, and you have a kind of image of your head of people in their fifties and sixties, but our punks are in their fifties and sixties now. These these you know these great rebels of the the seventies, they they're pensioners now, aren't they? I mean, this is the well. I can actually put, <laughs> I can actually take that a, a, a step further and say that my my job, as I think you know, I'm a care home singer. Okay, yeah. now. In our day, or 20 years ago, we, we, your image of a care home is to go in there and think of knees like Mother Brown and, you know, yeah, go, yeah. no, now they want T-Rex, Bowie, Johnny Cash. <laughs> and as we go on, it's, it, it, and I do get, I do get requests for the, for the, for the Clash and the Pistols. So oh. that's them. Oh, of course, if you think about it, Mark, these people, they're in their 80s now that, what I always say is nobody stops listening to music when they're 15, you yeah. know? So these, these, these are the artists I've been asked for now. I'm doing, I'm doing like Courtney Rebel, Courtney Rebel T-Rex. It's just the way. So yes. I love Some it. I love are, it. <laughs> great. I, I mean, I live in Herne Bay, which is retirement home central. <laughs> okay. So I'm just waiting for the day when I walk past uh, a door and hear anarchy in the UK coming out of a window from a care home. I can't wait. It's going to happen, mate. It's going to happen within our lifetime, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is an amazing project. And folks, we're going to put a link in the show notes so you can check this out and order a copy and and you know do some good in the world and have a really good laugh as well you've got an amazing uh lineup you've got people from the vibrators you've got cock sparrow cockney rejects vice squad sham 69 i mean this is an how do you how do you get in touch with these people how, how do you get the ball rolling um well this leads on to the original product project as well this right. was originally just um a, just a bunch of very silly letters hanging in cyberspace with no responses and we built up this like rabid facebook community only for, like, only for, like a couple of hundred people that's all it was and we didn't have a, an inkling that these the things were going to be replied to it was just it was just just a bit of fun and then one day one of our facebook fans said you know what Peter Hamill's read your site and he would be receptive to an approach. So, and then, and then it snowballed because I thought if this is interactive, 
and we can get replies back. God, no one's ever done that before. That's just that's just crazy. So the answer to your question is, once I got the idea of getting replies, I, I, I just wrote a slew of emails to management companies, management of the artists, obviously nothing back at all. Um, so I thought, well, that's the end of that. But then we were getting people saying, people were saying, look, I know the bass tech from this band, or I know the hairdresser who does this guy's hair, or I, my cousin's the roadie. And, and we, so we went through the back door of the business, and we, and we got replies right. through our Facebook community. Then it got it snowballed again, and once we got a slew of replies under our belt, then, like, I don't know, Howard Jones would, would get an email from us, because they're, they're all teed up, Mark. We, we, we tell them it's a joke. You know, yeah. I don't think it's fair to treat them. So Howard Jones will come back and say, well, actually, Nick Kershaw's already told me about you. So, <laughs> so yeah, and, and, and so then, then the artists were referring other artists to us. So it, it was a complete accident. And Let's... I spoke to I spoke to a magazine editor about this a couple of years ago, and she said, if you were to, like, if a commission, if a commission editor said to me, you've got to get 300 silly replies in from Bopstar for nothing, it's not going to happen. Well, let, this is it. Let's let's rewind a bit. Let's, re, let's give us a bit of context because this this is what's so amazing about this. So your first book was Dear Mr. Kershaw, followed yeah. up by Dear Mr. Popstar, and then we got Grammar right. Free in the UK. And the format yeah. is essentially similar where you look at the lyrics of these songs or look at an aspect of the song or whatever, and you write in character to the pop star, pointing out some little foible in the lyrics. And then, yeah. as you say, you've got a genuine reply from the pop star and as you yeah. say i because I, I as i understand it dear mr kershaw got rejections but again any as you say any publisher thinking hang on the success of this project relies on you getting all these replies and also yeah. the fact that they're in on the joke and the fact that the quality of the replies are so good and listeners they are so good the replies are just just heartwarming and funny yeah. and really they're all in on it i was i was reading the all about eve one from julianne regan who's you know it's so so well done um it is just amazing so take us back to the very 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 beginning where how this evolved and how it how dear mr kershaw became a book it was basically me and my friend i was in a band with and our dads and we decided look we're both obsessed with music. That's our entire life. Right. Um, yeah. So why don't we play songs to our dads who have got no reverence, no idea about music, and that way they're going to be – they don't know if it's recorded by a band down in the shed or a band <laughs> playing in the stadium where you or I would listen to Duran Duran and go, you know, that's you know that that's probably our, our greatest pop band export of the 80s. We would listen to it and we'd have all these preconceptions and we'd go, how am I going to like the wolf? What a brilliant song. My dad wouldn't know it's Duran Duran and he would say, why are you isolating starvation to wild dogs? Why can't it be, why can't it be starving like the starling or famished like the ferret or peckish like the panda? Or we'd say, <laughs> I see a red door and I want to paint it black. And he did, well, your uncle then tried that and he didn't put a proper undercoat on it. <laughs> it turned out purple. <laughs> that's it. That, that That's how it started. Now, my dad's in his 80s now. So I've like taken over it. the past sort of six or seven years. I've been like channeling him and pretending that I've got no idea of it. But that's the genesis. That's how it started. It was a complete. At, it, it was just stupid we just thought it was really funny and that's it and now it's blown up to what it is now but that's the genesis of it from the pun okay although, so... we, do, although we do have steve hackett in the new book <laughs> 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 so you when did you know you had a book when when did the point come when you thought okay we've got enough here for a book and how did you go about getting it published we got i looked at the website one day and i thought we got we got 40 replies here yeah um and at that at that point we were sort of one of the best kept secrets in 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 you know in in you know in musical comedy because you had to find it tonight it was there yeah. but i thought this is too good this is too good to stay online so first thing i did because it was respectful i wrote to all of the artists individually emails and said look 
this is just early days, but if we did publish, and they just bit, they just bit our hands off, you know, because I said, of course you can. And I spoke to Owen Paul about this as our, our book launch, and he said, if you'd have been journalists, we'd have smelt you. Okay, the fact that you are two guys in your front room—that's why we love it. Okay, right, right. so I thought, okay, let's publish. So I thought I'd, I'd probably get a few more replies as I'm going down the publishing route. But nobody wanted it, Mark. I don't to this day know why. Um, and one day, because my dad is naive and doesn't understand the internet properly, he said to me one day, how many friends have you got on Facebook? I said, I, 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 said, I think about two or 3,000, man. <laughs> I think we've got two or 3,000. He goes, ask them for a tenner. <laughs> <laughs> and I, went, dad, and I, went, dad, I said, Dad, they're not, they're, they're not really our friends. They're not our real friends. He goes, well, they say they're our friends. So, <laughs> so, so we, I went, stuff it. Why not? So we just put a Kickstarter campaign together and we raised like 16 grand in three months. Wow. Yeah. And, the, and then, then we put it out. So th- that's how it started. And then we, uh, after that, publishers were interested. Yes. And uh, then we got it pitched to Unbound, and they went, "Yeah, of course, you know, we love it." And so that's how it's that. That's that's it's just an accident. That's what I love about it. You couldn't write down, "I will do this, and it will be this in fifteen no. years' time." No, no. This is this is this is about you know doing something out of a genuine passion, which those musicians picked up on. There's no yeah. cynicism in it. You're having a laugh. It's genuine. It's done out of love. And it's become suddenly has the potential to be something amazing. And you went for it, which is what I love. Now, the only question I've got is you're dealing with a lot of pop stars there. I guess they're used to doing interviews in magazines where people can run off with their quotes. But when it goes into a book, did they have to sort of give you clearance? Did they have to sign something to let you use their replies? How did they, or was it all done on no. faith? No, it's done on faith. I mean, the fact we've got an email exchange saying, yes, we give you permission. I yeah. was worried about quoting lyrics but yes. i spoke to this luckily you see the good thing about this project is that you never know who your friends are i mean i i, I put a post up a few years ago saying look we're not sure about about lyric use and i got this email from this guy he goes oh i'm a big fan turns out he was this top lawyer you know right. so he, he was giving me advice it would have cost me like 300 pound an hour you know and he said that under fair use because you are taking the lyric and you are analyzing it you've got permission to do whatever you like okay if you quote a lyric in isolation and you don't justify why it's there you've got a problem okay right but if right. you say dear mr kershaw no uh wouldn't it be good to be in your shoes no it wouldn't because i take a size six that <laughs> is a <laughs> justification for the use of the lyric yeah because you're not passing it off you're not passing it off either as your own and you're not sort of or even saying this is vindicating my book because sometimes this is you look on writers uh facebook groups and this is one the, this is like the number one question because they, they'll have read stephen king which has got bruce springsteen lyrics and they go why, why can't i do that and it's like well stephen king is probably mates with bruce springsteen and he rang him up yeah. and asked him or back in the 80s the music companies turned a blind eye to it because they were making a fortune on CDs. But of course, once that dried up, they go, how else can we make money? Okay, we're going to charge people for our lyrics. And it is, it is a copyright infringement. And we always say to people, don't do it. But in this case, because it is technically nonfiction, I guess, and it's in the context of, as you say, analysing the lyrics and discussing them, it's perfectly justified. It's such a complicated yeah. area, but yeah. But if you're writing fiction, don't do it. Uh, it's, the, it's the short of it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But in this case, it's it's worked. That's brilliant. And again, you've got. <clears throat> I guess if there were any problems, again, you've got a direct line to a lot of these artists in in the first place. Though you you could well, you got, you... you're on a sticky wicket there a little bit because um, some of the time they're not the writer. Of course. Yeah. 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 That's true. So it's because I I do I do I do do with I do covers you know cover versions and like obviously the artists say well I didn't write it you can't blame me and I go yeah but you recorded it so therefore you are an accessory after the fact <laughs> um, so but the I I cleared this with Unbound because I, I was still concerned I thought if we're going with Unbound this could be really big so. Let's just make sure. And Unbound went, no, you are completely. And, my, and this solicitor friend said, 
you're completely in the clear because it's fair use. Right, you're yeah. you're saying this is the lyric and this is what I'm dissecting from this lyric. Yeah, yeah. So I say, dear Mr. Hopper, so you say this and I say this in response, you know. It's absolutely fine. So after Dear Mr. Kershaw, <clears throat> which became this cult hit, you've got Dear Mr. Popstar. You're sort of at the foot of the mountain again. Was there any trepidation of going back into this? Were, were you thinking, can we do this twice? And <clears throat> what did you learn from the first book that you took over to the second book? Um, well, the advantage of the first book was because we crowdfunded it, we used our fan base again, blessed them, and said, look, is anyone a proofreader? Any any designers on our on our friends list? Where can we work? Any printers? So I went into it with that sum of money, and I did it myself. Okay, right. so when I went when we went to uh, Unbound, I was aware of what the process would be, but of course I had trepidation. I thought, are we going to be able to get another hundred replies or another another sixty replies? But um, and it was hellish. Because I was crowdfunding at the same time as writing the book and getting pop stars to to, to respond, yeah, and yeah. and our hit rate in those days, Mark, was only like you'd write twenty emails, you know, and you get one response. Okay, yeah, e- yeah. E- even with that direct line from the roadies and and, and the text, etc. Was it now 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 it's a lot higher. So looking back, I think I'd have probably crowdfunded it first and then written it because doing those two things together was was really stressful. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And How you're we... saying to you're saying to Ian Gillen, well, I think it's going to be published. Right. We've got to raise the money, you know. But then, but then, then the artists were like putting it on their pages, saying so and so is going to be in this book if it's published. You know. Right. And so they were helping there as well. Yeah. 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 How how was you how were you breaking up your day? Were you sort of you know doing the producing the book in the morning, crowdfunding in the afternoon, or no, was it you, a bit you, more chaotic? You, you, you you do it based on what emails coming come right. coming in, okay. and this so, one you know you, it's, yeah you can be creative and like okay an artist says just now write the write the letter, and then you, and then you're trying to raise the money in a different it's you can't structure your day because it depends what's being fired at you you know, and dear the second one dear Mister Popstar was that unbound again or were they you doing that off your own back? I did that through unbound. Right. Okay. I did that throw unbound, and they they gave us a fantastic book. It was a great journey, but um, I decided last year that I'd enjoyed the process of grammar free in the UK so much that I thought, I wonder if I can get the rights back because right. we were still getting replies, even though there was there were no new books planned. We were still getting replies back from artists because they loved it. Okay, mm. so at one point I thought I've got thirty replies here doing nothing from Spandau Ballet and from Frankie Goes to Hollywood and from Floyd oh. Nicole, you know, and they're not doing anything. So what if I get the rights back from Unbound, self-pub it, and put this extra stuff in it? Right, and 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 that they very kindly reverted the rights to me back in November. So I've just done a tight edit, and. Mm. Um, that that's that's how this so this this new edition of Dear Mr. Popstar literally has got fifty percent new content in it, but I've managed to get a few a, a lesser page count because I've just like um cut out our waffly bits and made it every <laughs> yeah so because we do go on a bit um yeah. so that's coming out hopefully next week first of February hopefully yeah right. brilliant now you mentioned your your dad who was the inspiration for this and provides some of the funniest moments in, in all the books. How does he feel about this journey? How, uh, you know, and has he got a taste? Does he want more? I mean, ha- what's it been like for him? Because this would have been completely unexpected for him, he, wouldn't he, it? He, 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 he understood what I was doing, but obviously when when it starts with like a, a Facebook community of 100 people, it's just a private joke, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, he stepped out and actually too old now. Okay, it's, it's, it's just it's something I've got to focus on myself now. But um, he got it. And I, what, what, I, what I do find really funny was one day he found me says, um, oh, I've been looking at this pop group. Uh, why should we should do this? I said, if you've researched them, it's pointless. Yeah, OK, you, you've yeah. got to know you've got to know nothing. OK, <laughs> so you, you've got to isolate it just just on the lyrics. So but he's intensely proud because he was he was a printer. He used to, he used to be a proofer. Right. Back in the day, you know, de- before desktop coming, so he understands the process. Um, I think it was harder to get pu- to, to, to get a, 
book published when my dad was a printer, though, Mark. That would have been in yeah, the yeah. 60s and 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, much, um, much harder, much harder. But yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't take away, you know, the incredible achievement and 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 what you guys did. Uh, yeah. So, I, I, and you're right. I guess once he's once he's kind of wise to what's going on, it sort of you know the the spark is you know it's this was I mean, dear Mister Kershaw, dear Mister Popstar, grammar free. They feel like a moment in time, don't they? If he's if he's wise to it, then you can't really go on with it, can you? Yeah, it's, that's that, that's that's exactly right. It's exactly right. As I said to him, he says he says to me, "Who's this bias? It doesn't matter." And I, I did a podcast yesterday for this American guy, and he said to me, "Are there any artists that you know you really are on your wish list?" And I said, "It's not about the artist. It's it's, no. it's, it's all about the lyric." Yeah. yeah, it's only about the lyric. It doesn't to a certain extent. It doesn't matter who's written it. We are the compliance department, as we say. We were internal audit. We were internal audit, and we found inconsistencies within your work, which needs to be rectified in the next 28 days. Has this, um, has this ruined music for you, in a way? Are you constantly – have you tuned your ear it. to lyrics? That- I think it's ruined it for our fan base, because they go, thanks for that, I can never listen to that record the same way again. But, But – our, a lot of our fr- Facebook friends say, you know, we can't help it now. We listen to the, we 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 listen to, to the radio, and a record comes on, and then we go, and then we go, oh dear Bon Jovi, they're doing it in their heads. <laughs> so we changed it for everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I suppose <laughs> this doesn't comes, go away. <laughs> this comes of being a generation that uh, a we had smash hits that used to publish the lyrics every week, you know, yeah. or every, every fortnight whenever it came out. And then you try and figure out what Nick Kershaw was talking about. There's a tree by a river near a hole in the ground, you know. Yeah, we've got that. Uh, uh, and also we had albums, gatefold albums that had the lyrics mm-hmm. in them as well. So are you finding your readers reflect kind of, you know, this generation, this age group, or or are, or are younger readers discovering it as well? No. Funnily enough, again, I had this chat yesterday with this, with this guy, and we don't, attract any new contemporary artists to what we're doing and, and and we don't get leads for that because our fan base is of a certain age right yeah 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 we yeah. tend to get leads for 70s and 80s act but i like that because when you're dealing with like 80s acts and 90s acts they, they've had 30 or 40 years to live in their own skin and, and live yeah, with the song yeah. and they're very relaxed with who they are they're not worried about pr now and how they're reflected because they've already got existing fan bases so we did I, I like the fact that we're dealing with, with with work that's been in the public domain for thirty or forty years because those are those artists are so comfortable with who they are and they and they're prepared to have a laugh at themselves. And Rupert Hine, who was at our book launch, who's sadly passed away now, said, "What you've done is tapped in to this mischievous little side of every musician. We've all got it, <laughs> but this is this this gives us a chance to showcase it. And as I always say." If you love an artist and then you see that they get involved in this or something else that, you know, pokes fun at themselves, you're just going to like them even more, aren't you? Mm. Nobody loses in this, you know. Mm. It's just because you – yeah. Now, we talked about – you talked there about artists knowing themselves, be comfortable with themselves. And I introduced you as Dave Philpot. But yeah. people watching this on, on YouTube will see the name Dave Dawson down there. So who, yeah. who the hell am I talking to now? <laughs> yeah, it is, it is Dave Dawson. And the reason why we decided from day one to use pen names is because it is a character, you know, even though it's our thoughts. That what, what I always say, it's a mask. So where where you and I, if we were writing under our own names, we'd get to a certain point and go, this is now utterly ridiculous, okay? <laughs> if you're using a pen name, that's your starting point to then take it to an infinitely stupid degree, okay? And they are overblown versions of us, okay? Um, what what I, I, always, I always explain it to the artists and say, look, you know that guy that barges in backstage with a laminate and no one knows how he's got the laminate and he starts <laughs> spouting off to you about, about your own songs that you wrote? That's us. That's who we are. So, so just, 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 just vent your spleen at that guy because here we are. Um, so, the answer is, uh, it, 
it's I'm so close to it that it's blurred, Mark, because I'm just proofreading this new book and I'll read bits in it and go, that actually happened, you know, <laughs> because it's us. But we decided to use nom de plumes because it just gave us the, the scope just to be as stupid as as we like. And it's like a brand name now, you know. Brilliant. A com- again, something that it was a complete accident. It was just 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 done on day one. What should we call the website? I'll just call it this. Right. It's not going to go anywhere anyway. You know, this will fly <laughs> for a couple of weeks. And then we're stuck with a name 15 years later. You mentioned you mentioned the person backstage with the laminate. I saw somewhere that uh, you you had a conversation with, is it Biff Bifford from the band Saxon? And he was talking yeah. about, yeah, tell, tell us about that. Incredible story. I got this from Kev Moore. Um, but I, th- I, think it is, I think it's in the public domain. Basically, Saxon wrote a song called Princess of the Night, okay, which was about a, a steam train being decommissioned. Right. And uh, this guy had apparently gone backstage and said to Biff Bifford, I love that song you wrote about your girlfriend. And he went, uh, it's about a train. And the guy goes, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, it's what I always say is that it, the song belongs to the artist until it's released. But when it's released, it's not theirs anymore. They can't yeah. control how it's interpreted. Some yeah. people take it personally. Some people. You get that in the care homes as well. You know, it's, uh, uh, you, know you say... Oh, I don't 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 do any Billy Fury. And I go, why not? He's brilliant. I go, yeah, but my my husband ran off with somebody, and that was her favourite singer. Right? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just can't control once the song's released how it's interpreted, and that's that's that, that's what we're poking a stick at. Yes. Yeah. My my dad, when I was a baby, he had a bike accident and he was in hospital, and the number one hit at the time was "Don't Rock the Boat," and he can't hear it now. Don't rock yeah. the boat, rock the boat. Yeah, it just it just takes yeah. him back to just takes him back to being in hospital. It loads it. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, what is coming next from you guys? Is is there going to be more of this? You mentioned a new edition of Dear Mr. Popstar. We've got Grammar Free in the UK. Are you looking beyond that? I don't know. Because this because this is all organic and it grows exponentially by itself. I just never know what's going to come next. That grammar free book never should have happened. Right. It was just, it was, just, it was just to draw attention to the first book, and then, and then before we know, it, we've got an entrepreneur funding it. I, I don't consciously go and start, you know, start projects. They just, they just happen. So the answer is, I've got no idea what's happening next. That's very punk. Let's be honest. Yes, yeah, that's very it is. punk. Excellent. Well, see, the punks, the, the punks said to us, they said, even though it pre- previous to you wrote to eighties stars, what you were doing is is punk because yeah. you were rejected by the publishers. You went stuff it, we'll do it ourselves, and you're doing it all from your living room, uh, you know. And and I'm actually this new book, I'm proofreading it myself, I'm designing it myself, I'm doing it all from the front room. And they said, well, that is a punk ethic. That is punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love it. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Dave, it's been an absolute joy. Folks, we're going to have links in the show notes so you can check all these out. And like I say, uh, Grammar Free in the UK, you'll be helping a great cause as well. So do check it out. Oh, sorry, I forgot to say. Yeah. Dear Mr. Popstar, I'm doing the same thing. I'm I'm still going to donate a chunk of every – because we can. Because we can. So I thought that's the model for for the punk book. I'm only doing this new book via Amazon, so we don't have to worry about printing costs, etc. So yeah, yeah. I'm doing exactly the same thing here, and we and we do regular updates on Facebook to say how much we've raised and where it's gone. But right. it'll always be a homeless charity. Great. Well, we'll put links in the show notes so you can check all that out, folks. Uh, Dave, it's been an absolute joy. Uh, speak to you again soon. Mutual. Take care. Thanks a lot, Mark. Uh, do you know, I, I, I mentioned, I mentioned to you, Mark, earlier, didn't I? When we, when I listen back to the interviews, I'm usually there with my notepad and pen and I'm writing all kinds of notes for the show. I just got so sucked into this interview. I, yeah, <laughs> I got great, to the end it? of it and thought, I haven't written down a thing because it was absolutely brilliant. And I just, for me, for me, the magic of this interview, and let's just dive straight into it, the magic of it is the fact that this is just a crazy idea that came out of a bit of something, a bit of fun. And, and, and Dave just like rat has run with it yeah. and it's just developed organically into this incredible project. I think the thing that became clear is if you sat down to plan, if I was still at Orion and I said to them, I've got an idea for a book, how about we get in touch with over 300 pop stars, <laughs> right? Yeah. And ask them 
for free to contribute to a book uh, and allow us to quote their lyrics and poke fun at them as well. And hey, let's do it all for charity. I would be turfed out of the room. There's no way. There's no way a publisher <laughs> would go for it. This, this, this. You know, normally we say, "Oh, this project ticks so many boxes." This doesn't tick any of them. <laughs> this scribbles all over the boxes in crayon because, first of all, you're writing something on spec, which would never happen. You know, certainly mm. not something commissioned by a publisher. You're relying on the cooperation of pop stars. Now, anyone who's had any experience with any kind of pop stars know knows the cooperation of pop stars is a bit of an anathema. And, you know, you're doing it for charity. Now, I know publishers occasionally do books for charity, but I know that the accounts department of every publisher goes, oh, please don't do that because it's so hard. It's so hard to do it, the account, because of returns and all sorts of weird things. So, um, yeah, this doesn't tick any boxes. So for Dave to run with this and create this and take a spark of something and let it build and build and build and build until what it's become three amazing books and they are so much fun they they they're books they're, the books you can open at any page and if you're a fan of pop from the 80s and you know 90s you're going to you're going to know all these pop stars and you're going to absolutely love yeah. it to 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 create not one not two but three of these books is just phenomenal and I take my hat off to them Totally. I've got to admit, when I when I first heard about the project, um, when when you know we started talking with Dave, I mean, I I've got to say, you know, guilty pleasure, and I think I've even mentioned this in the podcast before. Probably one of my favourite artists from the eighties was Nick Kershaw. Nick Kershaw, yeah. And I went on, and now a lot. I don't know. I I, I always have these weird conversations, these brilliant conversations actually with people in North America when we're talking music, and it's so weird because there are some artists that you wouldn't expect any Canadian American to have ever heard of. And they're like, oh no, they were huge here. And I'm like, really? Oh, were they? And then other artists who were massive in England that I've just assumed are worldwide and they've never even heard of them out here. Now, I don't know if Nick Kershaw made it over in the States, to be honest. I think he did. But a lot of the a lot of those 80s bands, the reason they did so well in North America is MTV because right. they all made great videos yeah. really really good videos and mtv was desperate for content then yeah. and you know it made the like you know duran duran they all went down to you know the bahamas and did rio on a yacht or whatever and of course that is that oh, was yeah. all over mtv that was a so, legendary video wasn't yeah it? and and yeah. a lot of these videos were directed uh by people like russell mccorhey who then went on to make um highlander another massive blockbuster movies and, wow. and stuff like that. So they had really good visual directors who knew how to light and make it look cinematic. So MTV just lapped that up. So there's, there was this sort of second, I say second, a new wave of, of sort of British acts that did massively well in the early to mid eighties because they had, because they had good videos. Yeah. And, and it was great music. I oh, yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. I look yeah. back now to the eighties. I mean, I, I was, I mean, even like two, three years ago, I went on this weird 80s nostalgia. It's probably around the time we were writing Back to Reality, actually. And I went on uh, this, this, this massive sense. I really desperately, I'm sure a lot of people who experience this in their life, whatever age you are, is you get this massive need for nostalgia and you just want to go back and listen to some of those albums that you listened to when you were younger. And and Nick Kershaw was like a constant, Nick Kershaw, Duran Duran and Aha. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like, yeah. You know, who would admit you- that, but... In the UK, the the BBC, I think it's BBC Three or BBC Four. One of them is is constantly repeating top of the pops, and they do it in kind of decades. So, uh, put any episode from the eighties on, and it's just full of absolute knockout classics. They're just you know, and there's a bias obviously because this was the yeah. period when I was growing up. But then I was big into music in the nineties as well. And you watch the nineties stuff. The early nineties wasn't armpit for music it really really was it was coming off the back of rave and stuff like that and it, there was some real dreck you get we're getting up to we're, it's top of the pops 94 now so you're starting to get some brit pop coming you're seeing elastica <laughs> early blur and you're thinking oh blur there's some good Oasis. stuff on the way <laughs> you know so yeah but yeah the oh, the brilliant. i know we're going a bit off topic here but you know no. the, well we're I not think, it's all about music i think it's all relevant isn't it but you know the, dave, dave is tapping into it he's he tapping, tapping into, into something nostalgia. there massive nostalgia market yeah. and people our age let's be honest you know 40s 50s got a bit of cash you know we we we, we want to wallow in that stuff you know so it's uh yeah we're going to be buying these books and having a laugh 
but there's there's also a, there's always a lot of a lot of musical references in many books. I mean, you take back to reality. I mean, we it, the whole every chapter heading's got some kind of hint towards yes. some some nineties piece of music, isn't it? All legally but, sound, by the way. All legally, all sound, legally yeah. sound. We'll talk about that actually in the extended <laughs> today. But um, I think there's 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 a very powerful thing that that Dave has done here, which we can all learn from as writers, which is if you can tap into something that is really core in someone's life, nostalgia being like, you know, something that's, that's been an, like almost like the fabric, if you like the tapestry of someone's youth. If you can tap into that in your writing, you're already ahead of the game because you're making a really incredibly strong connection. And I think a lot of people are very worried about pigeonholing their book into a certain time frame. You know, and they think, oh, if I, if like when we, and we, we did have these discussions, didn't we? If you know, if you, if you set a book in the eighties or in the nineties, for example, are you, you know, are you missing out on a massive audience of people who are just going to go, oh, it's not even relevant to me. But the point is, is it's absolutely one hundred percent relevant to a section of the audience, yeah, and it kind of takes back to this it. idea of, you know, don't be afraid of writing something that is focused on mm. a smaller group of people. In fact, one of the biggest, I think, mistakes a lot of people make is they try to write a book which is which they think everyone will want and everyone will buy. And I don't think that book exists. Because even, no. if you think about it, even the biggest bestsellers, you know, they may have sold millions and millions of copies, but actually as a total number of sales across the entire world population, it's still tiny. It's still a tiny group, really. And they'll have loads of one-star reviews as well for people exactly. who've gone, what's all the hype about? Oh, this isn't for me, you know? Yeah. But the other, the other, I know you're always looking for a secret source, Mr. D. Yeah. I, think, I think the other thing that Dave has done that's, that's very, very clever, it's not just nostalgia, but it's nostalgia with that's sort of poking fun at that era as well. Oh, yeah. It's it's um, it's um doing it with a lovely sense of irony for, I mean, Generation X, we're all about irony. You know, <laughs> we are the ironic generation. So we love to poke fun at it. And we we were that generation who did grow up reading smash hits and, and looking at the lyrics. And um, I forget what DJ it was. There was a DJ on Radio 1 who used to, uh, do a thing about mishearing lyrics in songs as well. Oh, because uh, yes. Lazla Bonito did a very good one of you know hot potato, blah blah blah. So you'd you know you'd mishear the lyrics, and it was just something we used to talk about because you couldn't just Google it and look it up. You'd have to wait two weeks for Smash Hits to come out, or hope that it was in the gatefold of the album. But otherwise, you were trying to figure out what was Nick Kershaw waffling on about, you know. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I love it. I love it. I think that I think that it's also it's also important as well to um and, and a lot of people have asked this question. It's come up a lot in the coaching, hasn't it, on the academy about use of lyrics. And we're gonna talk about that because I think I think a lot of people shy away from touching anything to do with what they think is copyright material, but there's some very interesting rules and regulations Once. around it. Yes. Which we experienced, and we'll give you a teaser, but we experienced oh, when Bestseller Experiment was featured on Fox News a few years ago. You might remember <laughs> that, Mr. State. We'll be talking about that in the extended because that gate that that floored us both at the time. And we were like, hang on a minute, they're quote, they're they're playing our podcast on Fox News on daytime TV. What is going on? But um, yeah, so if you're interested in learning more about that, stick with us. Um, I think as well from you know, the thing that blows me away about this project as well is how it developed not just with i mean from the, the the genesis the genius if you like of that idea with dave and his dad i think that's you know love it that 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 for me is the genius like talking to your dad about something i kind of fear it now because i wonder what my child will come to me in a few years going <laughs> dad check out these rap lyrics or whatever i don't know like anime stuff or whatever whatever they're into right now it's like it's it's brilliant because there's always that generational divide that can be absolutely hilarious and hysterical you want to be the cool dad, don't you? You want to be you able desperately to desperately want to be the cool dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to but we understand. Fail miserably. <laughs> well, you realise at a point you think, "Oh no, that's for them." Exactly. That's that's their thing. And I think there would have been. It's interesting because I was talking to Claire's dad about this, and Claire's dad is, you know, grew up listening to the Beatles and the Stones and stuff like. Grew up in the sixties and absolutely loved it. And mm. his dad was into kind of traditional jazz and stuff like that. And he listened to it and he, what, this isn't musicianship. This is terrible. This is a racket. But that divide hasn't been as marked before. You know, my parents listened to the Beatles. I listened to the Beatles. My kids listened to the Beatles. We all did. And the Stones and Floyd and Zeppelin and all that. You know, there's not that big, big divide anymore. But there are still little niche things that our kids will do and will think, 
what are you doing? What is that about? How do you get any joy well, out of that? You know, I've, I've got to admit for any parents of teens right now, I'm experiencing this with some meme videos on TikTok. Now, maybe mm -hmm. I'm going to date myself, but my, my, my daughter will show me this video on TikTok and be killing herself laughing. Yeah, yeah, and I'll yeah, be yeah. watching it going, I have no idea <laughs> what is going on. <laughs> I don't know what, there's some obviously very funny reference that they all yeah. talk about at school and, and, yeah. and, and I don't get it. It's like, and it, and it's some kind of like new humor. And I'm like, I'm pretty, you know, I, I, I do understand humor, but I just, I just watch this and I go, what? I, it doesn't make any sense. But, to me. but that's as that's it should be. I think exactly. that's, that's as it should be. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, when, uh, when the goons came along, you go way, way back in the show, like the goons show, which was uh, the post-war generation, much like the Beatles. Yeah, my dad the would love that. Yeah, your Gosh, dad would have loved yeah, it, but his dad would have listened it. to it and gone, this is gibberish. What What's is this? I, I, don't, I don't get this at all. He Similarly with Monty Python, yeah. The Young Ones, you know, each generation has its new music, its new comedy, which is, you know, brings us back to punk. You know, punk had an ethic where it's three chords and a manifesto. You know, that's all That's all you needed. In fact, you didn't even need the three chords. A lot of bands wrote a manifesto before they even learned to play uh, 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 an instrument, you know, it, it was, it was just, let's, let's do the show right here kind of thing. It had that punk ethic. So, um, and Talking that upset a lot of people, but it also, you know, a whole generation went, yes, that is for me. Talking of punk, I must admit, and I love the way Dave referred to them as the punks. But, um, I, did you follow that story that, uh, about it was it was quite surreal but i believe john lyden uh actually entered the irish eurovision song eurovision contest. song yeah, contest yeah, yeah. yeah now it was a heartbreaking story did you read the story it was about yes. he wrote a song about his dear wife who's mm. got dementia yeah and he'd written this absolutely heartfelt um song and and i'm desperately wanted to I mean, he, he was challenged because he, he he didn't have the time to do it, but he also wanted to get, he wanted to pr help people understand more about dementia. So, you know, such an honourable cause. Um, but I just couldn't get my head around John Lydon on... Eurovision. The, wanting to be on... It's just like, like... What? Yeah, but he was COVID. doing but, he, he was then, doing butter commercials like ten years ago. So he like, sold out a long time I've, as our job. I've you coached, know? I've coached people. I've coached people. I actually have coached someone who um was on the Eurovision Song Contest contest, and they came to me oh, as a really? music coach afterwards to ask for help. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I just think I I think it's a beautiful story in many ways because. Mm. It just shows the kind of evolution of that kind of anarchic time in yeah. that youth life. And then, you know, he, he's, he seems like such a, I mean, I don't know him, but he seems like such an incredibly caring, heartwarming, like lovely guy. And, and don't get carried so away. To his <laughs> no, no, but like when you read the story about how much he cares for his wife and what he's doing, he's looking, he's caring, he's looking after her, like he's yeah. caring for her yeah. every single day. Well, this day. is it. We're, we're complex amazing. human beings, aren't we? We're not just we, the thing that we present to the media, are we? It's what know? makes the world go round. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely yeah. love it. But anyway, folks, if you're interested in diving deep with us this week, because we, we've got a few more things we want to discuss in the extended. Um, one of the things that I think is really fascinating about Dave's interview is you don't, we call it, you don't need a million fans to get going. And we're going to talk about, you know, the value of a small group of very, very enthusiastic people who can, who can help you any stage of development of your book. And I think every author should have that group. So yeah. if you're interested in learning more, we're going to talk about that. Um, Mark, I know you want to chat a bit more about, you know, the rights and wrongs of quoting lyrics, because that's something mm. that constantly comes up in the Academy <laughs> and it's a very important thing. And then we're also going to talk a little bit more about the power of community and how, um, you know, how incredible community can be in terms of helping you through through your process of actually getting a book out there. So if you'd like to join us, folks, please pop along to um, the Bestseller Experiment support page, which is bestsellerexperiment.com uh, forward slash support and sign up. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. So, Mark, social media this week. Well, 
Now, if you've listened to the extended, this is going to make complete sense to you. If you haven't listened to the extended, this is one of the things that we were talking about. Uh, so Karen's story over on the Academy, she says, and ta-da, I now have an author website. She said, having avoided this for over three years after deciding seriously I would work towards becoming an author today, my author website went live. Uh, if you read my previous win post, you'll know that I had an apathy towards anything that felt corporate or business-like. Uh, my brain would scream, no, I want to be an artist. Uh, but she's leaning into the marketing side now and discovering this can be as fun as all the crazy research that she likes to get into. So if you want to check out Karen's uh, website, it's uh, karenstoryauthor.com. I'll put a link in the show notes that you can check that out. She's getting into uh, Instagram as well. She's at storyteller K on Instagram. And this is, you know, Start today, folks. Start putting your your flag in the sand when it comes to uh, social media because, uh, well, your own website, if nothing else, because we can't rely on Facebook anymore. We can't rely on Amazon. <laughs> we can't rely. They're all laying people off left, right, and center. It's all going horribly wrong. So have your own little corner of the internet that is yours. It's uh, so valuable. Absolutely. And that's brilliant. I think story is, it's, it's with an EY, if I, if I remember right. It is, well, yes. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, correct. That's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, well, yeah. congratulations, Karen. I hope it inspires you if you've not, there's that thing, that website is often the thing that people put off, put off, put off, and then months and then sometimes even years can go by and people think, oh, I've never done it. The other flip side of it, of course, is you launch it with all big gusto and excitement. And then two months later, you think, oh, I haven't put anything on there for a month. And so it's, it's that, it's that, combination and marrying of those two things little and often you're a good example of that mark i mean you always you're dropping in posts you know there's always something happening on your website and so oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. you should yeah, check that yeah, out yeah. as well if you want a good example of how to do an author website you know, you know look no further than mr stay's website mark stay writes is it mark, mark stay writes and the yeah. witches of woodville.com as well so check those out yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. good luck if you're starting a good luck if you're starting a website and uh, let us know how it goes now laura shepherd on the Facebook group, the Best Seller Experiment Facebook group, uh, topic motivational minutes, right? So this, you've only oh. got yourself to blame here, Mr. D. Um, <laughs> just just listen to the Mark Edwards po podcast and heard we might be getting motivational minutes from Mr. D. Yes, please. Uh, she says, also, as an aside, every time I hear Mark Edwards on the pod, I think he sounds like such a lovely bloke, sort of person you go to the pub with. And this got lots of likes and replies over in the group. Uh, Jeevan Icharika said, I used to love the motivational minutes. Uh, Mr. Stay making noises while he assumed the position used to crack me up. Um, and Robin Sarti says, there was once a rumor of a book of these. Do you remember that? I do. Do you remember do. that? It's yes. actually, it's actually in draft. It, there's actually a draft copy of it. Ooh. I know. Just need to find another it. another cloning machine <laughs> to get that to pop that one out. It will it will come out eventually. There's there's a lifetime ambition, something to look yeah. out for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely to think people. I, I love love to hear that people actually enjoyed those because that was the thing that we did in for people that are new to the podcast. We did it was like a feature, wasn't it? Every week, I think it was almost every week in the first season. There was this motivational minute, except it was never a minute because. I never know how to keep my words to less than 60 seconds. But okay, here's a promise. Next week, I'll do I'll do another one and we'll see how it goes. Right. You we'll get hold a time mark and assume I mean, the position. The thing, the thing, oh, not, not my age, not anymore. Um, the thing is, the motivational minute became the academy, really, didn't it? It, Actually, beca it, it became did. the life coaching part of the academy, yeah, is what, yeah, it, what it is, yeah. really. In fact, it's amazing because the, 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 the challenge of trying to put something in a minute. Um, it's really the headline of the idea and then you can spend a whole hour coaching on it. So yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah, Fascinating yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, and then, then finally on social media, uh, this is from Scott R. Morrison on Twitter, uh, talking about how 200 words a day really resonated for me. I write twice a day for 15 minutes during my mandatory break. I'm stoked Brilliant. to read about this approach to writing. I recommend this practice to anyone wanting to break into writing. So 200 words a day, folks, uh, you know, check it out. This is uh, Mr. D, tell them about 200 yeah. words a day. It's a free challenge, which is actually underlying. It's a, it's, it's a way of you building a writing habit for a lifetime. And it might seem simple, but it has incredible effects long-term, as many, many people are telling us. So pop along to 200wordchallenge.com and sign up today. And the challenge, the initial challenge is, can you do seven days in a row of 200 words? And if you can, let us know. Fantastic. And, and and if you do want to, just a reminder, if you want to support Crisis, which is a, a charity that helps the homeless in the UK, uh, we've got links to all of uh, Dave and Derek's books uh, in the show notes as well. Dear Mr. Popstar and the like and Grammar Free in the UK and Dear Mr. Kershaw, they're all there. So, uh, you know, you can you can have fun and put some good into the world as well. Brilliant.
Absolutely brilliant. Excellent stuff. And folks, if you want to join our merry band of people receiving our newsletter each week, pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com, click on the contact uh, link in the navigation and just put your name in and we will send you updates of every episode we do, what you're going to learn from it and all kinds of other fun news from BXPHQ, as we sometimes call it. Uh, Mr. Stay, how can people find us on socials? Socials are uh, with us. Yes, while they're still working with them when they've been broken up by governments around the world. Uh, on Facebook, we're Bestseller Experiment. Twitter and Instagram, we are at Bestseller XP. But, you know, bestsellerexperiment.com is, is there, will always be there. Yeah. Uh, and if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate and review on uh, your podcatcher of choice because uh, it makes us more visible, helps us get more voices out there. So, uh, And thanks to our editors, Dave and JD, as always brilliant stuff thank you so much for joining us this week it's a goodbye from mark one and a goodbye from mark two rock and roll rock and roll goodbye (laughs) 